Hello, welcome to your favorite bookish podcast, Fully Booked and Caffeinated. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Heather. Today, we're going to be talking about My Best Friend's Exorcism by Grady Hendrix, a heartwarming story of friendship and demonic possession. Wow. We're going to need our coffee for this one. So, Heather, what are you drinking today? So, I stopped at Dunkin' Donuts, and I got a nice, large, iced caramel coffee. It sounds delightful. Caramel, you can't go wrong no. with the Dunkin' Caramel. They have this new flavor out. It's like brownie batter, but I don't like chocolate coffee. Yeah, that doesn't sound great, but they're brownie batter donuts. Donuts slap. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. I, we need to pause. I need to go get a donut. No, okay. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like my mom drinks the mochas and she'll get it and it's just this dark ass yeah coffee. i it's like and i can't milk, do it like which mm-hmm, i like yeah. chocolate milk but not with my coffee but not in my coffee yeah no unless it's like the white chocolate mocha i love that but it's not it's not like actual chocolate so it's a little bit different yeah i'm not a fan of the just mocha. like the mocha yeah so caramel is my go-to at dunkin all the yeah. time yeah you can't go wrong with caramel or butter pecan mm-hmm. but i know it's not that time yet i'll relax Ooh, oh. fall uh summer because it's their ice summer. cream flavor yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, so I have my usual Nespresso creation. I got a Skiro, which is just fancy double espresso pods, and a protein shake because, you know, got to get gains. And that's that. <laughs> so, <laughs> got to get gains. Cheers. Got to get swole. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> okay, so first let's talk about Grady Hendrix. He has a very extensive history of writing. He's done a lot of journalism, uh, some for the New York Post. He actually wrote for Playboy a couple times. He was a film critic for the New York Sun when that was a thing. He's done some screenwriting on quite a few projects, none that I was really familiar with, but quite a few. And he's contributed to a lot of different works by other authors. He actually co-wrote a graphic novel slash cookbook with his wife wait what's it called it's called dirt candy (laughs) and on his on his website it says that his wife has a restaurant named dirt candy and i'm like is this real (laughs) like okay but i didn't want to know if it was real or not because i'm just gonna go with the fact that it's real so we're we're going with it's it's fact fair uh most surprisingly he was one of the organizers of the new york asian film festival He's not hmm. he's not Asian, but he's really into Asian films, which is nice. A huge thing, like especially Asian horror oh films. My God. Yeah. I mean, they're the absolute scariest type of horror films. Um, his work is ridiculously popular. His first really successful novel, Horror Store, it's basically haunted IKEA. That was <laughs> that was picked up for TV as well as uh, Southern Book Club's guide to slaying vampires and the final girl support group those also have tv adaptations in the works oh they do so all of his big ones plus the one we're talking about today has a movie adaptation which we will talk about Mm -hmm. um he even had a podcast for a few months before southern book club's uh guide to slaying vampires came out and the podcast was all about like the history of vampires and it was basically a way to promote his book because I like that. Yeah, he said that he hates normal, 
the way that you normally promote a book, like going on a book tour or whatever. So he always comes up with these like obscure ways to promote his books. So that's pretty cool. Okay. So Grady Hendrix comes under a lot of scrutiny specifically for his writing of female characters. I kind of fell down a rabbit hole on the book talk (laughs) about Grady Hendrix. (laughs) Enlighten me, please. It's not so much in this book because this book is very plot driven, but Mm -hmm. in, I read two of his other books and his female characters are very underdeveloped. Like they're very shallow they don't have a sense of community the way that women in real life do. And a lot of times, like, their character traits, which actually we do see a little bit in this book, their character traits are like, oh, she's rich. Or, oh, she has anxiety. Like, those are their character traits. There's, like, no real depth. Exactly. So they, a lot of people say, like, you can tell that it's a man writing a woman. Um, so I did see a lot of you know, women talking about that. In this one, in this book, I feel like since the characters are high schoolers, he kind of uses that as the reason for the lack of character Mm -hmm. development because they have very, besides the whole like demon thing, you know, they have uh, very (laughs) shallow worries. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So before we talk about this book, I have a very important question. Great. Do you believe in demonic possession? No. (laughs) No? Really? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. I do. I don't think so. No, that's fair. I believe that people, objects, houses, all of them can be possessed. Well, I guess I can believe things can be haunted. Okay. So I don't know if I would go so far as to say demonically possessed. You're thinking more ghosts not demons. I do believe in like things being haunted and there being spirits but I wouldn't I don't know if I can believe in possession got it okay yeah I know what you mean. I mean I'm open-minded I'm open I'm always open-minded no, no, about just stuff. don't be open to it <laughs> that's <Okay>. the problem <laughs> don't be open to it no I know what you mean like you're more on like yeah. the spirits ghost side yes which I also believe in but I think there are like bad spirits which could be demons. I don't know. It's boarding on the yeah. religious thing for me. You know, that, that gets a little saying. fuzzy. Anyway, so now that we have that out of the way, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this book specifically came out in 2016 and the film adaptation came out in 2022. So we'll be talking about both, but let's focus on the book first. And you already know we got a Goodreads summary to start it Always. off. We love Goodreads on we, this pod. We love Goodreads. Okay, so Abby and Gretchen have been best friends since fifth grade when they bonded over a shared love of E.T., roller skating parties, and scratch and sniff stickers. But when they arrive at high school, things change. Gretchen begins to act different. And as the strange coincidences and bizarre behavior start to pile up, Abby realizes there's only one possible explanation. Gretchen, her favorite person in the world, has a demon living inside her. And Abby is not about to let anyone or anything come between her and her best friend. With help from some unlikely allies, Abby embarks on a quest to save Gretchen. But is their friendship powerful enough to beat the devil? That is that is quite the summary. It really, really is. I mean, we it sets us up perfectly. This book is about mm-hmm. friendship. I really like the unlikely allies. Can't wait to get to that. 
Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we would be remiss if we didn't bring up the problematic themes in this book. So I say we should discuss them up front, and then we can focus on the story as a story. First and foremost, there are a ton of anti-gay and homophobic comments, racist undertones, inappropriate use of the word queer and spaz, but the kicker, the real kicker, you know what's coming, Slave Day. Oh, when I I got, I actually blocked that out because that's not on my notes of things because but oh, it happens. when i read that it happens i know because when i read it in the book i texted you in all caps just slave day yes, yes. <laughs> i was like we'll get to it okay i could no it's to me it's not even remotely okay no, no. even and the whole like he's trying to put the story in the 80s okay Yes, that would have been a thing as well as the homophobic comments, especially in a high school. But Mm -hmm. he wrote this book in 2016. He didn't write this book in the 80s. It's just not tasteful. And the the biggest problem for me is that it doesn't add to the plot at all. Like it's not, (laughs) this isn't a book about racism. So why are we putting that in there at all? Obviously the Slave Day thing was written in so that they could have that confrontation between Abby and Gretchen, which we'll get to, but it 100% could have been a different, done a different way. Abby would have followed Gretchen anywhere. So they could have just had Gretchen like tell Abby to come to the bathroom and then start pressuring her with the makeup remover thing. Even in the movie, which we'll get to, they found a way around Slave Day. So (laughs) yeah, they did. It was just strange and unnecessary and, trying way too hard to be like this is okay because i'm writing about the 80s you know what i mean yeah it just left a a bad taste in my mouth yeah i literally i read it and i just couldn't grasp that this was something that was actually written yeah yeah for for no i get it real reason and now (laughs) no like i get it it takes place in a different time frame but I don't know, like the world we live in now and what we're trying to do as a country and trying to move past the shitty things that we white people did. Yes. Like why, why you got to judge it back up? Even if it's just for something stupid, I don't care. Like I don't know. And the other, especially like the homophobic stuff, like the comments, you know, the anti-queer comments, that stuff, they did feed into the plot because there was this whole, these undertones of... You didn't really know the relationship between Abby and Gretchen, and they kind of insinuated that they could be, you know, like hiding their true feelings or hiding a relationship or whatever, trying to stifle that. So that that part, I understood why that was kind of put in there. I still don't like it, but at least it had something to do with the plot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So now that that's out of the way, now now that we've just (laughs) established that we don't agree with that... No. Let's just move on to... And it's for... And what actually what cracks me up, though, is that they do Slave Day for, like, fundraising. Yes. And... Which makes it even worse. And the way that they post (laughs) the list and they have, like, a market. I was like, bruh, stop it. I know. And I just... There's so many... Sell some fucking candy bars. Yes. There's so many ways to make money. (laughs) The whole thing was just... 
I, I don't know. I don't know I how can't. that came into the writing process. There were Me either. They, they could have had a carnival, just like they did in the movie. Mm-hmm. Wow. Exactly. Apparently I'm teen movie. Okay. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> main themes of this book are obviously friendship and demonic possession. Those those are the main ones. Those are definitely prevalent. Yeah. Um, there's some sub-themes. We get a big thread of the difference in class and social status and how that affects everyone in the story differently based on their social status. And there's also the very common theme with high school stories where the four girls and Wallace will do anything to be accepted or liked, which is, you know, Mm -hmm. pretty normal for a high school story. Any other themes that we missed? No, I think that was... You hit the head head on the nail there. All right. So let's get into it. Okay. The story starts with the building of Gretchen and Abby's friendship. And basically just the backstory of how they are truly best friends. Other people have come and gone, but they've been inseparable since they were 10. And they do seem to have that true best friend bond that you have at that age. They do everything together. They talk on the phone every night. They basically grow up together. Mm -hmm. But we also see the difference in their lifestyles. So Abby is poor. She's at their school on a scholarship. She has very absentee parents. Yeah, which were just such a weird every time that they introduced her, her parents, it was just so uncomfortable. I know because I felt in the beginning when they were kids, the parents were present in her life. Exactly. And then, and the then dad all of a like, sudden, they just weren't. Yeah, the dad had like a mental breakdown when he lost his job and then just like went from job to job to job. And then the mom, sometimes she would be so concerned and so not involved, but she would say something that would make it sound like she cared. Yeah. But then the rest of the time she was just like, Abby could be God knows where and she just didn't care. Well, judging from how they wrote her the mom, it seemed like the dad was kind of, I wouldn't necessarily call him a low life, but he couldn't hold a job. So the mom was kind of put in a position where she was forced to be the breadwinner. Mm -hmm. So she was just constantly working. Yeah, she worked like three jobs and just nonstop overnight. And he would just sit on the couch or sit in his shed with a bunch of lawnmowers. Yeah. Like, what fixing lawnmowers yeah. but like he that wasn't was like, actually yeah. fixing them he was just collecting no. lawnmowers he's just sitting there depressed in a shed wondering how can I murder myself with these lawnmowers yeah and like how do you even learn to fix a lawnmower that's never mind that doesn't that doesn't no. matter you know what if you need your lawnmower fix I'm sure you can look it up on the internet anyway um, so Gretchen's family or Gretchen's life is the complete opposite. She has a very rich, very religious family. They're super conservative and controlling of Gretchen and abusive, we come to find out, which that doesn't really go anywhere, but it is mentioned a couple times. Mm -hmm. But it's literally the exact opposite. Like where Abby's parents could care less, Gretchen's parents are overbearing, controlling, what making sure they know what she's watching, who she's with, where she is all the time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, the story really gets going in the summer of 88. There's the four best friends, Gretchen and Abby, obviously, 
and then Margaret and Glee. And they all decide to trip acid in the woods, which is a horrible idea. <laughs> but they're teenagers. So it's yeah, fine. In the 80s. Exactly. And anything <laughs> goes in the 80s. Oh, yeah. But then... Like, I remember when I was watching the movie and Eric, my husband, was watching it with me. And he was like, it's so weird that people would just leave their doors unlocked in the 80s. Yeah. And I was like, I know. And there were so <laughs> many serial killers. I know, and people would just people would just walk in and out of houses, no care in the world. And you just would they do just whatever didn't you wanted. Have cell phones, like Mm-mm. I mean, I hate my cell phone, but I cannot imagine not like they just couldn't find Gretchen in the woods, no. and they couldn't call her because she didn't have cell no. phone. No. It, oh my gosh, it blew my mind. So Gretchen yeah. gets lost, but like the way she gets lost is so weird. She just goes I... into the water. It disappears. So this whole scene was weird for me because first off, Abby sees this dark entity like in the woods or whatever. Like she gets glimpses of it, but then she kind of thinks it's like nothing. She's like, oh, it's the LSD or whatever. And then Gretchen's just in the water, which by the way, she apparently jumps in and everyone thinks she died. Yeah. They're like freaking out. And she just wanders off and is completely ignoring her friends that are yelling for her. All night. Completely ignores them. All night. Which... Butt-ass naked. In my... So, I'm... What I wondered, because this really wasn't touched on in the book, was was this entity calling Gretchen to him to come to the abandoned shack thing? So... Because she's literally just not... She's ignoring them. She's not... They're yelling for her. And she's just not even paying attention. She just keeps walking and she goes into the woods. That's a good And then Abby question. follows. Yeah. Because to me, if your friends are yelling for you, you would at least give some kind of indication. She, but she just completely ignores yeah, them. Yeah. She just like surfaces in the water and they see her shadow far enough away. She could still hear them. Definitely. And then she just yeah. like walks away. But the way that Gretchen and Abby were... They wouldn't have separated like that. So that's actually no. a really good point that I did not think about. That That's a big possibility. Because why else would she yeah, that just was, leave? That was like something I was considering when I was reading it. Yeah. Because I didn't, couldn't understand why there was just blatant disregard for her friends. trying Because they didn't even know if she was okay because of the whatever the tide was. Yeah, the tide or whatever. Up. So her jumping off the dock, she would just hit, I guess rocks yeah. or whatever or they said there was something in there that was sharp so i forget what it was but so i just was curious why that so was so are you one of those people who when you read a book you're trying to fill in the plot holes yeah okay there's a lot of that in this book so i i feel for you <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sorry about that um, <laughs> yeah that's me okay so then they find her just butt-ass naked the next morning by some creepy dirty shack in the woods and she's pissed. She's like, y'all left me. When really, they didn't. They were looking for you all night. But, you know, that's yeah. all semantics. I don't know. So then we get the start of the demon possession cycle, I like to call it. So I want to backtrack for one okay. second. Because there's one other thing I want to talk about. Abby also just doesn't bring up the fact again that she felt like there was something in the shack too. Abby definitely felt some kind of presence mm-hmm. this entire time, this entire night, and she just never talks about it again or thinks about it again until way like later in the book. And it kind of blows my mind because when she realizes that Gretchen's also being weird coming up, yeah. she just assumes 
everything but the fact that she felt something in the woods. Yes. And even though they took the acid, they all said that they didn't trip. It wasn't working. Yeah. Yeah. So they knew. So she made it seem like her mind was playing tricks on her, which, yeah, like, I get. Mm-hmm. But she, when she clearly stumbles upon this shack, she gets this feeling of fear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, there's something there she feels. And if I remember correctly, didn't it sound like someone said her name twice? Yes. yes. So she and just she thought so this happens. And then it's just never brought up again. It's never considered when Gretchen starts being a wacko. Yeah. And I'm just... And she goes, again. like you said, she goes through every other possibility before finally landing yes. on that. Yeah. Hmm. So I don't know. Which means that, you know, she probably doesn't believe in demonic possession either. But no, (laughs) this was at the height of satanic panic, satanic panic, which started Uh in the early 80s and continued Uh until now, but continued until (laughs) the mid 90s. So this is really in the middle of it. So Mm -hmm. that wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. And like we see that it does come up again. So like, again, like I just wasn't another plot hole for me. It just... A feeling was created in the book Mm -hmm. and then never answered. (laughs) Yeah, the whole whispering thing is definitely like, you didn't imagine a shadow. Oh, God. I know. And then like, and then when you find your best friend there the next morning and she's clearly distraught and not okay, Mm -hmm. she's out of it. Like, I don't know. I think even if I didn't believe in this, that sort of thing, if I was that creeped out, I would still, it would be in the back of my mind. Yeah. And I also would never have stopped looking for her number one. And number yeah. two, then when they find her, they're just like, are you good? Oh, you're good. Then? And also, okay. The time frame from when she was in the shack until they found her also didn't match up for me. Well, because I felt it was, it was an all night thing. They made it seem like it was so many hours. Yeah. But, and then she, I don't know. I didn't get it. Again, the timing just also didn't. I, that whole night was just weird. I don't know that how whole scene long was weird. You need with the demon. I'm not, sh- I'm, I'm not clear. <laughs> on... She had to sleep with them for a little yeah. bit. <laughs> I'm not clear on the logistics of the demon possession situation. Yeah. Um. So I'm not sure about the timeline, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it could no, be. No, I know, but I just, be. I just feel like the entire possession part that it happens, that just whole chapter just had a lot of plot holes yeah, for me. Yeah, that, that part was definitely weird. Um, I could say that the whole beginning of the book, I was bored out of my damn mind. Once once the demon possession cycle starts, I start getting a little more into it because Gretchen is just going through it. <laughs> she just, her entire persona goes completely downhill. She smells. Yeah. She can't change her clothes. She says she can't shower. She's got crust all over her face and scabs and she doesn't brush her teeth and she just stinks all the time. She says that she can't sleep because she constantly feels someone touching her and it's just completely escalating because at first it's like, oh, I feel something touching my neck. And then she starts saying things like, well, he this or Mm-hmm. He won't let me do this. Or, oh, I can't expose my skin because he'll touch me. Like, it, it's definitely escalating. And then and not one teacher calls her parents and is like, yo, your daughter's hygiene is not great. Yeah. She's clearly ill. What's going on? It's just completely ignored by all adults. Completely Gretchen ignored. Gretchen is 
untouchable. Completely untouchable. (laughs) Nobody cares about her. Even her friends. Only Abby's the only one that seems genuinely worried. Her other friends just everyone else. Everyone else just doesn't give a shit. Yeah. One thousand percent. And even her parents are like, Is it because you had sex? Like what? Oh, Oh my god. Oh my god. What? Her parents were the villains in this book, aside from the demon. Exactly. Because they pissed me off every time they showed up. And also another plot hole. Because there was so much emphasis on her relationship with her parents, on how they were abusive, and how she literally wanted to kill them. Mm-hmm. But then it just... I mean, I'm not saying I wanted her to kill them, but I'm saying it, it just never comes to no. anything like it there just... was the only time when she shoved her dad down the stairs yeah. and that was the only time but what what blew my mind too was her parents took her to a doctor to see if she was still a virgin Yo, that is the most 80s thing i've ever heard and that is just a violation on so many levels and like <laughs> virginity is because a social not for construct, nothing but not for nothing but like she could have you know, she could come off as not a virgin, not had had sex. Uh, yeah. You can break your cherry so many different ways. So she could, it couldn't even yeah. have, like, she couldn't have even had sexual intercourse. But this and, is but, something that has been recently discovered. Yeah. That yeah. virginity is a limitation put on us by society. It's not fucking oh, real. I know. But anyway, yes, her, her parents are the villains and it's all part of their, like, religious whatever. So then... <laughs> The part about the this this uh, part of the cycle is the animals behaving strangely <laughs> around her. And before we get into it, once again, I'd like to apologize no. for the animal cruelty in another book that I have chosen. And no, we will not be discussing Good Boy Max because I will not oh, no. cry on this podcast. I was so happy that the movie just totally didn't uh, yeah, fucking include like, it. Max do- doesn't exist. We're not talking about Max. It doesn't exist. But we can talk about the birds. Kelsey. The birds. A pelican. <laughs> A pelican. Where do they live? They live in Georgia, right? Are or there Alabama? pelicans in Georgia? Are there pelicans there? That I don't know. But I don't think that pelicans are hanging out with owls who are hanging out with crows who are hanging out with the 30 other different types of birds. There were there were 30 species of birds all in the same area charging into this glass window. But it was just the pelican that got me. <laughs> just the pelican. It was the I mean the birds got me. But then <laughs> It was like, and a pelican. And I'm just like, a pelican? They're not near. (laughs) Just one pelican. And like seagulls. Yeah. Yeah. And like, okay, maybe I could see the seagulls if they're, I mean, I don't know. Like we live in a beach town or we we grew up near the beach. So I'm used to seeing seagulls and everything. But it didn't sound like they were living in a beach town. It was more like a lake town. And where they were, I don't think was anywhere near water because it was margaret's yeah. house that was by the lake yeah well you know what but didn't her parents have a beach house gretchen's parents yeah but that's not where they were when with the bird attack no but i'm wondering how far they were oh. if they had the beach house so i don't know but still regardless fucking pelican makes no sense regardless the pelican the pelicans <laughs> are out for blood i mean yeah. we, we find out that that's because 
Okay, we don't find out. But no, apparently- there is, it's never touched on again, nor discussed again. <laughs> the and owls again- are discussed, <sighs> but not the pelican. Just the I owls. Just- and from what I, I mean, I don't know that much about birds. I'm going to be honest, but I don't think that owls being around signifies all these other birds. So they no. they just ignore. They talk about the owls that comes up because the demon is like the demon of owls. I don't know. Well, that might be the demon's familiar in a way, or how it, yes, the owl, how it comes across. Yeah, no, yeah. And again, the dad just cleans up all these dead birds, and it's never brought up again. It's never addressed, and she just like goes. He to gets school pushed the down the day. stairs, and it's uh, uh, and Abby is like, "Bro, you pushed your dad down the stairs." And Gretchen's like, "What are you talking about?" I just. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. So she slowly starts driving everyone in her life away. And the only person sticking with her is Abby. And Gretchen tries to confide in her, but she's not really making sense. And I mean, she's really not making sense. Like, I'm like, Gretchen, spell it out. Like, use your words. But Abby assumes she just, she goes the whole roundabout way. Like you said, ignores the actual demon she saw in the woods. And she assumes that Gretchen was raped by Margaret's shitty boyfriend in the woods the night that they tripped. When I read this, nothing that's wrong with Gretchen indicates a rape victim. Except for the fact that her parents took her to the doctor to see if she was a virgin. That's literally it. So if I have a crusty mouth and i'm not shower okay i could understand maybe they're not showering and not changing your clothes because maybe if you the ptsd I, get the, yes. I can get the psychological thing about that but the birds no <laughs> it just oh the my birds God. do and not then, make sense with the rape theory okay and then when gretchen tell or not gretchen when abby tells gretchen's parents oh and the only God. thing that the parents focus on is that they took lsd and then all of a sudden, Abby is shunned. Wait, that she was really just... heartbreaking, though, because they were like, yeah. we always knew that you were yes. white trash, but we mm-hmm. thought, like, we were doing you a favor by letting you hang out at yeah. our home because we knew that you don't have a stable home life, and you repay us by giving our daughter drugs <sighs> and, it and was... lying about her, her chastity or whatever. They just, I know, they just completely, and even though, like, Gretchen wasn't raped, the parents just completely gloss oh, over yeah. it and they're solely focused on abby being this hooligan i mean that sold or gave her daughter they drugs. would rather gretchen be possessed by a demon than be raped oh absolutely yeah so i just it's ugh. all of the adults because then abby all of abby them is, i didn't like the way that she handled gretchen because she would just be like are you okay are you okay yeah just tell me what's going on like she just wasn't I don't know. It was very weird the way that she was. It, it was talking to Gretchen, but then yeah. she switches into overdrive, and she's like, "I have to get help because now at least I know what happened." She doesn't know what happened, but she knows that Gretchen was raped. Okay, I'm gonna spring into action. I'm gonna tell your parents it didn't work. I'm gonna tell the headmaster of the school that certainly doesn't work. Certainly doesn't work. And then all of a sudden, he's like blackmailing a student. Oh, my gosh. Just the way. And this was so, I mean, did you find this believable or ridiculous? Ridiculous. 
So what? Gretchen's mom calls the school. Now all of a sudden, Gretchen's mom cares. Yeah, like, and she calls how the school. Rich it's just is Gretchen's family. When the ad- in- adults are finally involved in certain parts, it's all when Abby's trying to save her friend. Mm-hmm. And it actually really pissed me off. Yes. I actually got really annoyed with the writing because every time Abby would try to help, it would backfire. And it was just frustrating. I I completely agree because it also pissed me off that Gretchen could have spoken up or Gretchen could have said something. Like she could have gone to the headmaster with Abby and said like, oh, my, you know what I mean? Like just glazed everything over. She didn't have to go in and say, oh, I was raped. She could be like, oh, Abby thinks she's helping, but she's really not. And my mom overreacted. Like she didn't do anything. And I'm not saying that this doesn't happen, especially in the 80s when so many of these things were taboo to talk about. But the literal blackmail is where I was like, this is getting out of hand. And judging from... I'm assuming Abby is a great student because she's on a scholarship. Yes. And if you're on a scholarship, you have to keep, I'm assuming, your grades a certain way. You have to be a certain standing citizen. So clearly she's not a drug seller, mm-hmm. drug mm-hmm. addict, or selling drugs, or drug dealer, drug seller, she's drug selling. dealer, <laughs> because she's she's a good student. Yeah. And she's never caused any trouble before. Exactly. So now and they immediately, all of a sudden, just because she doesn't have any money. <sighs> they immediately jump to the worst conclusion. And I mean, that's obviously because Gretchen's mom called and probably said all these horrible things and did say she's going to come in and try to besmirch the name of my daughter and blah, blah, blah. But it was just, it was handled so just icky. Like it just made me feel icky. I did not like it. No. So then finally Gretchen turns on Abby the only person, only person who's still trying to help her. And she tries to get her to take her makeup off at school, which we know is Abby's biggest insecurity is her very, very scarred skin. And Abby is like, that's it. I've done everything to help you. We're done. Mm-hmm. But also that lasts for one day because then the next day, Abby's like, I'm going to let Gretchen apologize to me. <laughs> but... <laughs> And then here's the thing again. Gretchen comes back to school and she's this whole new girl. No, no, no. This is the she's... next phase of the demon possession cycle. This is I can't. this is the new Gretchen. And again, no one says a goddamn thing. No one says a... she is living. She's got new clothes on. She's looking bright and happy and normal. And all of a uh-huh. sudden, these fair weather ass friends, Margaret and Glee, who didn't care about her when she was in a shitty spot in her Did life. Care. They readily accept her back in. And somehow Abby is the one who gets I, shunned. And I hated that too. Everyone is just so happy that they don't have to keep pretending that something's not wrong with Gretchen. Like they can just, yeah. they can go back to, because before they were just ignoring whatever was going on with her because they don't want to deal with it. They don't want to deal with whether she did have a drug problem or whether she was raped or whether whatever she was going through, they were completely ignoring it. So now mm-hmm. they're like, this is amazing. This is working out perfectly. Look, she's back to normal. Better than ever. Killing it. Literally. Um, now, did you see Jennifer's body? Yes. Okay. It's been a while, but I have seen These, it. I was getting all the Jennifer's body vibes. Two best friends who are definitely bisexual, but won't admit it. 
Jennifer goes from gross to fabulous once she feeds oh, on... Oh, yeah, that's a good point. She feeds on the, the blood of men. But anyway, there's mm-hmm. also very racist undertones and inappropriate homophobic comments in that movie. But it has become sort of a feminist cult classic in recent oh, yeah. years because of the whole bisexual element and Jennifer feeding off of men to get her strength and power, which like mm-hmm. I can get behind it, you know, <laughs> but I, I totally got those vibes and I felt like it was the same exact story. That's actually, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. And Jennifer's body came out in 2009. So, Oh, so you're wondering if he got his idea from this movie. I'm just speculating wildly, but yes. <laughs> I mean, it was so similar that, yes, I do feel like that. And I also have felt like that with some of his other books, too, that I read. Interesting. So I don't know. I I got those vibes. But anyway, so now enter the exorcist. Let's talk about the Lemon Brothers Faith and Fitness show. Okay, I will admit that was probably one of my favorite scenes in the book because it was really funny the innuendos that they just clearly didn't get that they were saying oh my gosh it was i was like okay this is funny i was like i'll give you that yeah and i could just i could totally picture this is like the most realistic part for me especially because i went to a religious high school exactly right this assembly of everyone just like giggling and the teachers knowing what's going on but they like can't stop Uh it and the lemon brothers are so damn into it that there's just no stopping them no i this is what they like thrive yeah like they were like oh everyone is loving it when really you know they were being made fun of of course but they're saying they get their strength from god and not steroids which okay just a bunch of juiced out bros (laughs) breaking shit And the youngest brother, Christian, focuses on Gretchen in the crowd and plants the seed to Abby that maybe there is a literal demon possessing her best friend. Finally, finally, we're getting to this point. But it takes three oiled up dudes showing up at your school to realize it. Yeah, lifting a literal cross. Um, And like we said, this was written in 1988, so it was when Satanic Panic was... On the rise and really taking over people's lives. Like, of course, they would have a group like this that would, you know, talk about fighting demons and talk about all of the different devils that are possessing the youth and all of that stuff. It's basically like the D.A.R.E. program, but with satanic panic, you know? Yeah. Like, say no to the devil type thing. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the devil... So this, this transition part where Gretchen is just chilling and living her best life. The demon has taken full on possession now and is targeting all of her friends by feeding on their insecurities and Mm -hmm. completely manipulating them. I mean, this is where it starts to get dark. Yeah. Margaret with the weight loss supplement and Mm -hmm. eating like three carrot sticks. And then she's like, look, I cut it in half last week. I had six carrot sticks. Yeah. That was awful. And then that was. she stole Margaret's boyfriend just because mm-hmm. she could. Which also, I wouldn't want to touch Wallace with a 10-foot pole. He seemed like the worst character ever written. He was disgusting. Dis- and- but I, I mean, I get why Gretchen was doing what she was doing because she was trying yes. to take away anything good from their friends. But also... But Margaret was so Wallace- insecure. 
that she was like, yeah, oh, a Wallace senior said boyfriend. Some, and he said some fucked up things about Gretchen when she was when she was in the beginning of being possessed. Yes. And I just was, so I don't know. I, I don't know how they could even believe that that would even be a thing, considering all the bad things yeah. that Gretchen said about Wallace. Now, all of a sudden, she's like, oh, I want to date Wallace. So, yeah. Again. And, and Margaret just didn't care because all she cared about was losing weight, which is so sad and depressing. Yeah, it is. Um, and then we get Margaret's just very unhappy ending, which is 20-something feet of tapeworm living in her stomach. What did you think about uh, how Grady Hendrix wrote the tapeworm coming out of Margaret's body? What did you think of that? It was definitely horrific. I'll give I'll give him that. But I was paranoid that the worm was going to kill the dog. Oh, one thousand percent. When I was reading it, when the dog came in and like was ripping it out, I was I was like, I can't take any more any more animal deaths. I literally cannot take any more animal cruelty. But then obviously it just pulled it out and whatever also, pulled the like, whole thing out of her body. The dog, like, oh, that's another thing. The brother's just standing there. Abby's just standing there, which I get it. I mean, if a tapeworm was, I, but that was that was something else. A very messed up thing to do. Yes, and I just and it's surprising that it didn't kill her. Like they said, the the doctor said she should have died from ingesting those milkshakes. Yeah. So then Glee, who we don't really get too much about Glee. I mean, she's There's really not, not a, lot, no. a big character in this, but they do show how Gretchen also manipulates her and gives her these pretend letters from the teacher that she's in love with. And Glee ends up trying to take her own life. Like it is just Which, very messy. Yeah, it definitely, like you said, gets dark mm-hmm. be- because Gretchen is more or less trying to kill her friends. Yeah. And the demon or Gretchen. <laughs> They're interchangeable. They really exploit the weaknesses and all of the elements of their friendship that are like sacred, like the secrets that they've shared, because obviously Glee is so quiet and shy, but they know that Glee is in love with that teacher. Yeah. And, you know, Margaret comes off as so confident, but they know that she's always trying to lose weight. Like Just these Mm -hmm. things that are things that you confide in your girlfriends about. And just completely exploits them. And then it shows that Gretchen is just, again, completely untouchable. Like, just going about all of this, making all of this chaos happen, and no one says a thing. No one says a damn thing. No, and I felt like it was almost hard for Gretchen to find something to pin against Abby. Like, the whole makeup thing for a hot minute. So I guess her way at getting back at Abby was trying to get her expelled from the school. Yeah. Because then... Like, again, this was, like, another scene that was stupid. She took the planner. Yeah. Gretchen's, like, day planner or whatever it was. And her taking a day planner could lead to her expulsion from school. Yeah. And her parents get called in for this. And I just was like, this is so far-fetched. This is not believable at all. This is – you have no proof of her being a drug dealer. Granted, she did steal something, but – they're acting like she stole a priceless item, like her Walkman yeah, or something. Yeah, or like money like, no. out of her wallet. She took a day planner. And she took a notebook. As if Gretchen would leave that evidence anywhere where Abby could get it, where it literally had, like, her writing help and, you know, the, the Gretchen within calling out yeah. for help. 
And I just was like, this is not... But I did love her mom in that moment. Oh, my gosh, Her mom yeah. was a badass bitch in yeah. that moment. But then I felt bad because then she was kind of mean to Abby after. And it's yeah, and Abby like was finally like, oh, my gosh, my mom is actually Someone's standing. on my exactly. side. Like, someone's yeah. actually standing up for me. And her mom just kind of ruined it in that moment. So, yes, I thought mm-hmm. her mom was a badass. But then she just went back to absentee mother again. Yeah, and the dad just can't <sighs> give an opinion on the anything. The dad is a zombie. <laughs> yeah, the dad may also be possessed by a demon. I'm not sure. It Probably. could happen. So I think you're right. Though. A lazy demon. <laughs> yeah, the, la- the, the sloth demon. Um, yeah. I think you're right, though, because Gretchen kept saying, oh, he's saving the, the worst for you and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And that was ultimately would have been the worst thing, like in Abby's mind, if she got kicked out of the school and she had nowhere to go and she lost her friends and all that stuff. Or I could see the worst thing could be Gretchen killing Abby. Yeah. The demon. Because it seemed like before the whole exorcism part happens, it seemed like during that scene with like Max and everything, it almost seemed like Gretchen had planned to kill Abby. Yeah, and kind of said like, look, this is what I'm going to do to you type thing. Yeah. That's true. So. I could see the worst part being being her being her murdered by her best friend. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's like a it's, it's it's a sense of betrayal in a way, even though it's not really Gretchen. Still, but still, it's kind Abby of was like, so trusting. Gretchen would live with that. Yes, even though Gretchen's kind of in the back of everything, she would she would still she still remembers that she knows everything yeah, that the demon's because doing. When she comes out of all of it at the end, she says, "He showed me what I did. He showed me what I did to Margaret, mm-hmm. to Glee, to Good Boy Max, like all of that." So yeah. she would have seen and had to live with the fact that she the fact killed that she her killed best her best friend, friend. Yeah. the only person who was on her side. Yeah. So Abby decides it's time to take action, and yeah. she recruits Christian Lemon, uh... the youngest brother who arguably has no experience whatsoever, but thinks he is just the right man to help. And this is what I have in my notes: toxic masculinity with a little yep. sprinkle of religious fanaticism. Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty fucking spot that's on. That's him to a T. So what did you think about this exorcism? <laughs> <sighs> Number one, it was, it got dark real quick. Yeah. Again, another thing that just got dark real quick. The waterboarding was a lot. Oh, even the salt throwing was a yeah. lot. And it was just, I mean, eventually... Obviously, Gretchen kind of comes out a little bit. She was able to finally come through mm-hmm. and see Abby. And she's like, and she's like, just let him kill me. Yeah. Gretchen's like, I don't want to be here anymore. And Abby's like, like he's completely. No. Yeah. And Abby, like, again, is just so like, I'm on your side. Yeah. Like, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to leave you. And then eventually it starts out so typical, a typical exorcism, you know, the power of Christ compels you. Going whatever. on forever. So it's, yes. Yeah, and it's just yeah, blah, 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 blah. Tell me your name, demon, yeah. and whatever. So it was fine. And then it just got weird. And then-, and then all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden, Abby's telling Christian, like, you're going too far. Yeah. And Christian's like, I can't handle her. this. Yeah. He's like, I need my daddy. My daddy yeah. can do an exorcism like, I'm just like gonna that. I'm going to go get my dad real quick. Cause this and then is he, like, explains who... He explains who Andros Andros is, and he's just whatever the owl demon, crazy yes. ass demon. Yeah. So, but I know what we're going to talk about next. <laughs> and what are we talk about next. <laughs> I I was going to segue right into um, 
when Abby takes over the exorcism. Yeah. Uh huh. So and she starts channeling <sighs> Phil Collins. Phil Collins. Her childhood crush, Tommy Cox. E.T. E. <laughs> and pretty much any other 80s reference you can think of. Uh-huh. And then at the end of it, she professes her love for Gretchen. Mm-hmm. And her love for Gretchen. In a Gretchen, non-queer way. And, yeah. Love yeah. you dearly, but not queerly. Um, yeah. Um, okay. It's okay to admit you're bisexual. Anyway. Yeah. She, her love overpowers the demon. And Gretchen is saved. But, 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 Abby still has to face the consequences. Because you oh can't my God. perform an exorcism on your best friend and then not be held accountable in a courtroom. Obviously. Oh, I don't know. Especially when you're poor. Uh, the justice but... system strikes again. So her social status fails her, obviously. And she's set up to take the fall even though Gretchen is back. And Gretchen is trying to tell her parents... Yeah. Like, Abby helped me, and everything is fine now, and don't press charges against Abby. But somehow, Abby is going to court for drugging her, influencing her, attacking her, etc. And then, the ending I never saw coming. The exorcist (laughs) waltzes into the courtroom, takes the fall, and we get another happy ending. Abby is free. And Gretchen and Abby stay friends, in quotes, until Abby is 80-something and dies with Gretchen yeah. by her side. Woohoo! I just have a lot of problems with, number one, the exorcism. Mm-hmm. And we were, we were watching the movie. And so Eric had didn't read the book, but he watched the movie with me. We had it on. And he loved that the power of friendship was able to save him. And I looked at him and I was like, it's so fucking stupid. And he was like, no, it's really great. It's, it goes to show how strong friendship is. No, and no, I'm no. like, okay, but no. You don't, she was singing We Got the Beat. I just, I was, oh my God. And I was like, so you're telling me the entire, the entire time she just could have said I love you? Saved her best friend. Exactly. I was like, I don't like it. I, I was like, whatever. I mean, yes, it goes with the theme of the entire book. I get it. Friendship overcomes Which I get all. to. I get... Yeah, completely get and that. And Phil Collins in spirit is more powerful than Christian Lemon. I get that also. Because... You can feel in the air tonight. It's there. Exactly. And we got the beat. We got the... You know, you know. They I got just, the beat. I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was just a very interesting conclusion. Because <laughs> this book goes from cheesy and corny and campy to extremely dark and then back to cheesy and campy and kind of fun Mm -hmm. and then back to extremely dark and it's just i think we should jump to the ratings i think we should jump to the ratings you think (laughs) you want to talk about the movie first sure we can talk about the movie Or do you want to talk? Or do you want to do the rating first? I didn't know. I forget. I forget how we do this. <laughs> I, I I don't know. We're new. We're new to the podcasting world. Let's talk about the movie because okay. The, so the movie we watched on Amazon Prime. Um, yes. What did you think of the movie? I mean, it was cheesy as fuck. Yes. Which I get because the book was also cheesy. Yes. So I completely get that. But I also they changed a lot. They did change a lot, but I. I actually liked the movie better than the book. That's fine. Yeah. Because I, what we usually see when they're 
changing a book into a movie is that they leave so much out and they did leave so much out. But I liked that the stuff they left out, they found a way to bring it back in. Like they didn't have the whole Mm -hmm. storyline with Glee and the teacher. So they had Glee's story be with Margaret and you know what I mean? Like they still left a lot out, but they found a way to, you still got the full transformation of Gretchen and all the harm that she caused, but you got the highlight reel and it was still like campy and corny and eighties and the exorcism scene I thought was way creepier in the movie. Yeah, I could see until that. Until Gollum came out and they had oh, the- to shank. I literally said to Eric, it's Gollum. It was Gollum. When it came out. It was Gollum. It was Gollum. They, I think Gollum is out of work and he was looking for his next role and now he's a, a B-list actor. Um, and they had to shank a wrinkly demon thing. So overall, I thought it would be worse. I'm going to be honest with you. thought it would be worse. See, I didn't like that they changed the storylines. Like, I didn't like that they made Abby be the one that liked Father Brown. Yeah. And that now all of a sudden Glee was the one and then Glee was in love with Margaret. I don't know. I think from reading the book and then watching the movie and just back to back, because I literally finished the book and then watched the movie. Yeah. So I think it was just like, kind of a huge contrast. I agree with the, I didn't like that Abby was the one who was in love with the teacher, but Mm -hmm. I mean, they really doubled down on the homophobia for the movie. Oh, I know. They really doubled down on that. And that was upsetting. Which is interesting because they took out the love you but not in a queer way and changed it to Lilas, you know, love you like a sister, but they kept the homophobia stuff. Yeah, like, okay. I was like, <laughs> like, make it make sense. Lilas? Also, wait, where did people start saying Lilas? I don't know. I think it I was, don't think that was the 80s. I, think it was I thought that later. was the 90s. Yeah, because yeah. I remember like that was a thing that you would sign off with your writing notes to your exactly. friends. So I did that. So I think that that's kind of that wasn't the 80s. Yeah. And it was also the way that they were openly like holding hands, openly touching each other and stuff. They were, it was different than the book in that way. You yeah. Know what I mean, like they weren't afraid of yeah. appearing queer. Whereas in the book they were. But I loved the actor that played Christian Lemon. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like you could not, I love him as an actor. I've seen him in a couple uh-huh. things. So I, I never watched Veronica Mars, but I know he was a big character on Veronica Mars. Okay. Okay. The actor that played he's the, he's he's the only actor I knew in the movie. Yeah, I didn't I don't think I and knew anyone. So I know like the girl that played Abby, Elsie Fisher, mm-hmm. she got popular because she did like she did a a Bo Burnham movie a couple years okay. ago that was really, really popular. It was called oh god, I can't remember what it's called. But it was like a fourth grade or something. I don't know, but it was like a he did a whole movie mm-hmm. and she was in it and it was super, super popular. But I loved I thought lemon. they but were I also... done really well. I thought that the, the yeah. Lemon Fitness Brothers were done really well. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I liked their part in the movie. And I, I like that the scene of him and Abby in the mall was word for word what was in the book. Yeah. Except for the yogurt was like, instead of the corn dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But everything he said, I can remember him saying in the book. Like, was he was because he was talking. Oh, God, what do you talk about? He said something about, oh, like, do you know what PMS is? Yeah, oh, yeah. He's like, like, yeah, I'm 16. He's like, okay, good. Okay, Okay, good, good. good. And I'm like, oh, like, this was like in the book. Yeah. But I really liked him. The exorcism part was pretty cool. I I liked the exorcism part 
it was weird that they changed that too where she, the demon could change its like shape shift into a different person yeah. and was his dead mom which was never not oh, even a thing I in the book about that that was very that was like weird. not even a thing in the book at all and so all of a sudden yeah he has like a dead mom and then that's what makes him go crazy and leave yeah and then and then the whole like the ending to the movie wasn't remotely the ending in the book no they didn't get caught and then she just it wasn't away she's just fine and it she's just fine she's just fine she's perfectly normal and so it was just it was similar but so different on the book i liked the middle i didn't like the beginning or the end of the movie like i i thought how they changed it from the little creepy shack into that like haunted house basically that was a lot i mean i I think it was better visually for a movie than just like a tiny little Mm -hmm. shack but it took up a big portion of the movie that it didn't need to. And then, like yeah. you said, the ending was so different. But I, I just liked how they squeezed in her whole transformation. They still squeezed in all of the things that she did to her friends, like to show that she was really ramping up and that Abby kind of had to stop her. Yeah, and there was no birds, but there was a tapeworm. Oh, and the dog tore the tapeworm out. And just ran away with it. And I'm like, okay, just, this, that's probably not just great. Just ran away. But. <laughs> so on that note, yeah. our rating scale yes, for this yes. movie is tapeworms. Oh. <laughs> Out of five. Good, good, good. How many tapeworms are you giving this book? I'm giving this three tapeworms. Okay. Any, any extra explanation? I just didn't love it. I didn't love the book. It had some moments. Mm -hmm. Like, I won't, I'm not going to completely say that it was, once it got to the part where they were doing the exorcism, I found myself, actually, I think once Gretchen transformed into demon Gretchen and she was different and she was fucking up her friends' lives, I started to get into it a little bit more. And then the exorcism happened and, but then it ruined, got ruined when Abby was one. Yeah. (laughs) So I was just very... As I was reading, I'm like, oh, okay, I might give us a higher rating, but then something would happen. I'm like, oh, wait, no, like, I didn't like that. So it was just, like, it was just okay. I do want to read his other books. Yeah. Because I have heard good things about his other books. So I, I, I'm not writing him off as an as an author that I'm going to stop reading because yeah. I do want to read his other books. This was my first Grady Hendrix book. I just didn't love this one. And I was so excited about it because I love the 80s. Mm-hmm. So I was excited to read a book in the 80s. And I just, I think it could have been done better. Yeah. I, I so totally my opinion. No, I also gave this three tapeworms. I thought mm-hmm. it was campy. It was kind of fun. I loved the 80s references, but everything was just so over the top. I felt like every character was a caricature. Like everything was just yeah. so unbelievable. But then there would be parts like the dark parts where you were expected to take it seriously. And it, I agree with I that. I couldn't fully get into it because I couldn't take it seriously. I thought there was a ton of plot holes. They introduced all the themes like Gretchen wanting to kill her parents, Abby's family, the part with Glee was rushed and kind of an afterthought. And I thought there was a lot of concepts that they introduced, like the satanic panic and the religious aspect and the wealthy people being able to get away with anything. Mm -hmm. But the whole book was just so exaggerated that I couldn't take any of those serious themes seriously. 
you know? No, because I feel like you said, like, especially like we talked about, the adult parts were so, um, they're not believable. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the book just wasn't, which I know it's not supposed to be like a real book, but it's, it, I don't know. And I think just, that might be a thing with Grady Hendrix's books. Like, his books are very plot-driven instead of character-driven, mm-hmm. and there's not okay. a lot of character development, at least from the ones that I've read as well. So I think that it is just all about the plot. But I think it kind of, he had to pick either exaggerated and campy or serious. And it couldn't keep going back and forth. You know what I mean? Like, that's where I kind of got lost. Yeah. So do you want to hear a funny personal story? Um, that... Yes. Is it about tapeworms? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I start this book and then it's when they're kids. Mm-hmm. And the big movie at the time is E.T. Mm-hmm. Did I ever tell you the story about me and E.T.? Oh, I don't think so. So it came, I don't know, I was born in 89, so E.T. came out in the 80s, obviously, but it was still, it was big for a long time, like, especially like in the early 90s, it was still like a big movie. I was petrified of E.T., like petrified. My parents would put the movie on on purpose because I would start screaming because I couldn't watch it and they would just laugh at me. Because I was legitimately terrified. And they wonder why we're now. <laughs> I was terrified of E.T. and it became like a running joke. I have I have had the weirdest fears. I've been afraid of E.T. I've been afraid of Alf. Do you remember oh, Alf? Yeah. The anteater? Well, he's also very racist. I had an unrealistic fear of dinosaurs. Like, really bad. I don't think that's unrealistic, Heather. I think that dinosaurs are scary. <laughs> I, I think that's yeah. a valid fear, actually. But I used to have a reoccurring nightmare that a T-Rex would come back and it would, like, demolish my home. Okay. And I would wake up. Okay, like, it was just, crazy, it was a whole but... thing. Yeah, it was a whole thing. But, like, same thing with Jurassic Park. I wouldn't be able to watch uh-huh. it because I would, like, cry. Now I love it. Now I'm fine. Wow. But as a kid, I, I just... loved E.T. But no. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was, it, it became, like, a running joke. So one time we went somewhere and there was... Might have been at the mall or somewhere, but there was like the ET on the bike, yeah, yeah. and it was a fake thing. So my grandma like put me on it, and I was fine. But it was just, it was just this whole thing. Oh my god! I was just, I can't. Ex- obviously, I was like three or four, so I can't explain but why I was so scared. Like the first chapter of the book, so you were probably like, "What the yeah, hell so- is happening?" <laughs> I'm like having like a traumatic going back to my childhood. <laughs> I haven't even watched it since I was a kid, so I mean, I- I'm sure I-, I would be fine now, yeah. but. It was just this irrational fear that I had. And everyone loved E.T. because well, he was the sweetest the, alien. The way that she talked about it was like, this was a cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> like, she was like, if Gretchen doesn't cry during the movie, I know. we're not friends. And I was like, wow. She really I cared. cried in fear. <laughs> you so. cried and screamed in fear. So, yeah. So, I just thought it was funny. I started reading. I'm like, oh. I'm like, yeah, there was that time when... My parents would put the movie on because they liked my reaction. I talk to your parents. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. So, just wanted to bring that up. So your past trauma. <laughs> Any other trauma that we want to discuss today? No, I don't okay. think so. All right. Maybe another we'll time. I'm sure there's, there is more. <laughs> there's plenty more to go around. Don't worry. Yes. Okay. So that's all we have for you this week. If you like this episode, be sure to follow the show, rate and review on whatever platform you're listening on. We'll be back in two weeks with another book to review. If you want to see our upcoming reads, make sure you follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Fully Booked Calf Pod. Thanks for checking us out. And remember, if you need us, we're fully booked. Bye.
Bye.